Today in Security from Wired. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Today in Security from Wired. U.S. courts are coming after crypto exchanges that skirt sanctions. A newly unsealed opinion is likely the first decision from a U.S. federal court to find that cryptocurrencies can't be used to evade sanctions, by Chris Stokel Walker. Cryptocurrencies have long been seen as the wild west of money transfers, but few online payment and money transfer platforms have been as blatant in appealing for illicit cash as one highlighted but not named in a memorandum opinion unsealed on May 13th in the U.S. District Court in Washington, D.C. The platform is apparently based in a comprehensively sanctioned country, likely North Korea, according to those within the crypto law space, and advertised its services as evading U.S. financial sanctions. It was built using a U.S. front company that facilitated the purchase of domain names, according to court records. The platform, which was designed to sidestep financial bans aimed at crippling pariah countries, handled more than $10 million worth of Bitcoin that was transferred between the United States and the sanctioned country using a U.S.-based crypto exchange, which the opinion implies was not aware that it was helping users avoid sanctions. The opinion, written by Magistrate Judge Zia Faruqi, was likely unsealed because someone has been arrested for operating the crypto platform. It all marks a shift in the way U.S. law enforcement and the law handles cryptocurrencies. Issue 1, virtual currency is untraceable. Wrong. Issue 2, sanctions do not apply to virtual currency. Wrong, Faruqi concluded in his opinion, directly citing two Saturday Night Live skits parodying TV host and political commentator John McLaughlin, who is known for his direct style. For some time, we've heard a narrative that cryptocurrency could potentially be used for sanctions evasions, says Ari Redboard, a head of legal and government affairs at TRM Labs, which monitors crypto fraud and financial crime. What we see here is the first time that the Department of Justice has charged a criminal case involving the use of cryptocurrency to evade sanctions. The decision puts crypto exchanges on notice that they can be liable for enabling users to sidestep sanctions, intentionally or not, and is a warning to those trying to evade such sanctions that law enforcement is coming for them. For years, cryptocurrency has been seen as a safe haven for criminal gangs and enterprises looking to launder ill-gotten gains. Unlike a bank account, cryptocurrency doesn't require a name attached to transactions, which are recorded on a public blockchain ledger. This apparent anonymity attracted criminal enterprises in the early days of cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. You had the Silk Roads of the world and the Alpha Base, says Jesse K. Liu, partner at law firm Skaden, Arps, Slate, Meager, and Flom, a former deputy general counsel at the U.S. Treasury who also served in the Justice Department. Liu has prosecuted several crypto cases. 
The early reporting on Bitcoin made it out to be some sort of secretive, anonymous currency that bad guys used to do bad things. The founding principles of the platform and the libertarian, privacy-loving, decentralized attitude that gave birth to it contributed to the perception that virtual currencies can't be traced. What all of those groups and individuals overlooked was that the underpinning of cryptocurrencies, the immutable blockchain that keeps a record of every transaction made, was building a stockpile of evidence for prosecutors. The thing that's so unique about crypto is you can actually trace and track the flow of these funds on an entirely open ledger, says Redboard. It's only because crypto moves and lives on an open ledger on the blockchain that allowed for this type of investigation. In the opinion, Faruqi explains how the defendants' identifying information and IP address were tracked and linked to the payments platform they operated. The striking point is that cryptocurrency quickly became this dark asset used for illegal activity, which was never the purpose, and that is now being turned on its head and will just as quickly become more transparent than traditional asset classes, says Nimesh Shaw, CEO of London-based accountancy company Blick Rothenberg. Others go further. Judge Faruqi's opinion pours cold water on the idea that cryptocurrencies mean the death of sanctions, says Anupam Chander, professor of law at Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. Chander says that the opinion is good for cryptocurrencies as they seek to shake off their early bad reputation and gain mainstream traction. Judge Faruqi treats the virtual objects as if they are dollars or dinars. While the court's opinion sets a legal precedent that crypto sanctions can and should be traced by authorities, in other ways it's wholly unremarkable. Judge Faruqi is, as far as I'm aware, the first judge who has actually said explicitly that cryptocurrency can run afoul of sanctions, says Liu. But that's been the Treasury Department's view for a number of years. What's significant about the decision is that it codifies what has long been an informal attitude toward crypto. The question is no longer whether virtual currency is here to stay, i.e. FUD, but instead whether fiat currency regulations will keep pace with frictionless and transparent payments on the blockchain, Faruqi writes. Chander says that while Faruqi isn't the first judge to use FUD, meaning fear, uncertainty, and doubt, in a federal opinion, he may well be the first to use it without defining it, showing just how much crypto has burrowed its way into the mainstream. In the last year or so, the Treasury Department has designated three Russia-based cryptocurrency exchanges as subject to sanctions, and the Office of Foreign Assets Control, or OFAC, which implements sanctions regimes, has operated under the assumption that crypto is subject to sanctions, just as fiat currencies are. What really strikes me is that this opinion puts all those pieces together, says Liu. Though all those pieces are out there in the DOJ's approach to enforcement already, this opinion really crystallizes that. Liu believes there will be an increased focus on tackling the use of cryptocurrency to evade sanctions, and with that, a need for those operating crypto platforms to make sure their house is in order. This opinion really underscores the importance of anybody involved in the cryptocurrency space or any of the adjacent spaces to have a very good compliance program, says Liu, and to recognize that they're in an area that can be used for problematic purposes. Crypto companies could otherwise open themselves to civil and potentially criminal action. It's all part of what Redboard calls a cat-and-mouse game. Payment platforms will come and go trying to evade sanctions, but law enforcement will always be looking to catch them. Cases like this send a message to bad actors that law enforcement can trace and track the flow of funds, and regulators like OFAC are going to continue to sanction bad entities in the space and are clearly looking to go after bad entities, says Redboard. I think judges are going to see more and more warrants, and they're going to see more and more cases. Like what you learned? Subscribe everywhere you listen to podcasts and get more security news at wired.com/security. 
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.